God for, God, for the glory of God, we ask all of these things. Your anointing to rest upon the message messenger, open our ears to hear. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, in our text, David said about God. He said, when I behold the magnificent and majestic creation. He, he said, when I look at the sun and I look at the moon and, and I look at the stars. Oh, oh, how huge. How impressive. How miraculous. And then to think, David said, that God just flicked them into being with his little pinky finger. How big God must be. And then David said, to look at man in comparison. David says to himself, why would God even pay attention to man? God has entire universes that he created. What is man in comparison to a, to a universe David contemplates? And then to think that God is personally interested in man. But he is. I want you to know this morning that, that, that God is personally interested in man. But God is not just interested personally in man. God is personally interested in you. Some of you don't know it this morning, but I, I, I've got a word for you today, and that is God is crazy about you. Did you not know that today, that, that God, your heavenly Father, He is absolutely crazy about you. And I want to tell you this morning that if God has a refrigerator, now I don't know if God has a refrigerator or not, but if God has a refrigerator, let me tell you, your picture is on it. Because he's crazy about you. The Bible says that, that God takes such a personal interest in us as individuals that the Bible says that he even numbers the hair on our head. That's pretty personal. So let's talk about this personal God today. Three things I want to talk about today. First of all, I want to suggest to you this morning that, that, that he is conscious of our circumstances. Conscious of our circumstances. Psalm 56 and 8 says, You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all of my tears in your bottle. Uh, you have recorded each one in your book. And Psalm 33 and 18 says that the Lord watches over those that fear Him. And Jesus said in Mark 6 and verse 48, or the Bible says that Jesus saw that the disciples were in serious trouble. God knows what's going on in our lives. He knows what it is that we are facing. Let me tell you that nothing ever takes God by surprise. Now, I may not know what you're going through today. Your friends and your family may not have a clue as to the severity of what you are facing this morning. But, oh, the Word of God tells us that God is conscious of our circumstances. That He sees all and He knows all. The psalmist said in Psalm 33 and 18 that God watches over those who fear Him. I remember when my kids were little and 
I would watch them as they played in the front yard. I never took my eyes off of them, especially when they were little. I I never took my eyes off of them for fear that, that, that they might run out into the street and be hit by a car. As a papa, sometimes I, I watch my granddaughters and sometimes I'm in charge of the granddaughters and I've, I've got them, they're mine, no one else is around, it's just me and the girls. I might take them to a park, might take them roller skating, might take them to a fast food place that has an indoor playground. When I take them... Usually it's Chick-fil-A and I I take them, they like Chick-fil-A and I take them to Chick-fil-A and they eat real quick and then they go in the playroom there. But especially when they were even a little bit little, uh, littler than they are right now, I would sit right next to the door of that playground and keep my eye on that door. I'm not a worrier by nature. I don't worry very much. But when I am solely responsible for those little girls, I am absolutely paranoid. (laughs) That something might happen to them under Papa's watch. And I just could not stand it. If something happened to one of my granddaughters under Papa's watch, how would I tell my son? How would I tell my daughter-in-law? How could I bear the fact that something happened to them while I was, while they were placed in my care? So I'm absolutely paranoid and I don't let them get out of my sight. And when we're out in public, my eye is constantly on them. Because nothing's going to happen to them under my watch. Let me tell you, friend, if an earthly father in Papa can have that much love, oh, and be that attentive to his kids and grandkids, how much more is our Heavenly Father conscious of our circumstances? Let me tell you, friend, He never takes His eye off of you. You might be thinking you're walking through your circumstance all along. Oh, it might feel to you like nobody knows. Oh, it might seem to you you're all by yourself in this. But I am here to tell you that if you are God's child, you are not alone this morning. That His eyes are upon you today. That He's aware of your situation. He never lets you out of His sight. Because He's a personal God. He's not only conscious of our circumstances, but number two, he cares about our condition. You see, it's one thing to be conscious of somebody's circumstances, to know what's going on in somebody's life. It's quite something else to actually care about somebody's condition. Remember that old country and western song several years ago? Here's a quarter. Call someone who cares. Now, if they were to revise and bring that song back today, they would have to say, here, here's my cell phone. Call someone who cares. But the Bible says that God cares. He cares about our condition. Psalm 103, verse 13 and 14. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to them that fear him. He knows how weak we are. He remembers we're only dust. 
And 1 Peter 5 and 7 tells us that we can cast all of our care upon Him because He cares for us. We're talking about personal God today. He, he cares about our condition. In Matthew 6 and verse 8, Jesus says about God, Your Father knows exactly what you need. Now let me just pause for a moment and tell you what you think you need may not be what you really need. God knows exactly what you need. And whatever your need is today, God cares. He cares about your need. Let me suggest that He cares about, he cares about our personal needs. Our personal needs. You see, for God, it's not one size fits all. It's not that God is just aware and God is concerned and God cares about the basic needs of all mankind. That's not what I'm talking about today. I'm saying that you and I today as individuals, oh, whatever we are personally going through today, whatever it is that is happening in our personal lives, God cares about it. He knows about it and He cares about it. Mark 3 and 8 says that Jesus knew exactly what the disciples were thinking. You see, the Lord knows what is going on in our heart. He knows what's going on in our mind, even this very moment. Oh, He's aware of the struggle that we are wrestling with right now. Oh, the need that we have that is so, so personal. Oh, maybe no one else is facing this particular set of circumstances, but we are. And God's aware of it and He cares. I, I understand how the game is played. Oh, we come in here dressed in our Sunday best. Oh, we put on our Sunday smile. Oh, we hold our head up high. And when somebody asks us, how are you, brother? How are you, sister? Oh, we emphatically say, blessed and highly favored. And yet beyond that plastic smile and rehearsed cliche is a need that is also personal and it is so private. cares about our personal needs. He cares about our pressing needs. Maybe your pressing need is in the area of finance or resources. Maybe there's just too much month left over at the end of the money. Maybe you recently lost your job. Perhaps unforeseen circumstances have played, placed undue strain on your budget. You have a pressing financial need. Could be that your pressing need is in the area of a relationship. Well, maybe you just discovered that your spouse has been unfaithful. Might be that, that you're going through a divorce right now and you never saw it coming. Maybe you just discovered a flaw or a secret sin in your spouse's life they've been hiding for years. Could be that your pressing need is in the area of responsibilities. Oh, oh, perhaps you have recently been asked by your boss to take on additional responsibility and it is absolutely overwhelming to you. Oh, it is out of your comfort zone. It's something that you do not feel qualified to handle and it is such a pressing Pressing need in your life right now. 
Maybe your spouse has failed in a certain area and now that area has become your responsibility. And it stresses you to the max. Whatever your pressing need might be this morning, God, God is not only aware of it, He's not only conscious about it, but God cares about it. He cares today what is happening in your life. He doesn't just care about our personal needs and our pressing needs. He also cares about our perplexing needs. Sometimes we create our own trouble by the bad choices that we make in life. More often than not. And yet sometimes, sometimes our trouble is the result of what somebody else has done. You see, every single thing that we do affects other people. Oh, oh, we like to say, well, it's my life. I can do whatever I want. I can do what I want to do because what I do doesn't affect anybody but me. It's my life. Sorry. Amen. You see, every single decision that we make has consequences. Every word that comes out of our mouth brings with it consequences. Everything we do touches other people. Everything we do or say affects other people. No man is an island unto himself. Sometimes we find ourselves in a bad situation we didn't cause. It's a perplexing and complicated situation that... Oftentimes it's out of our hands. We didn't cause it. It's not our fault. We're right smack dab in the middle of it and there's absolutely nothing we can do about it. That reminds me of the story of the rich man. Got tired of everybody talking about his riches and you know, if I had your money... I had your this, that, whatever. One day he gathered all of his friends and all of his family together for a big giant party. In the middle of the party, he brought them out to the swimming pool. And he had stocked his swimming pool with live alligators. He said, everybody is always talking about my money. If I just had your money, if I just had the opportunity that you have had... I'm going to stop that today. I'm going to give everybody here an opportunity to be wealthy. Don't start now, he said. Let me tell you the rules. But the first one that jumps into this swimming pool full of alligators and swims to the other side and survives, I'll write him a check for a million dollars. So you either, at the count of three, you either jump in this pool, swim to the other side, get a million dollars, or shut up about saying, if I ever had the opportunity, I'm giving you the opportunity. So he said, on the count of three, the first one to jump in the pool, the first one to swim safely to the other side and not get eaten by the alligators, I write a check for a million dollars. So he says, one, two, three, Splash! Somebody was in the water and they were down under an alligator and up over an alligator and down under an alligator and up over an alligator and down under an alligator and up over the alligator and pulled himself to the other side. The man runs around, grabs the man and said, Dude, I didn't expect anybody to do this. 
man, you must be the bravest man I've ever met. You have anything to say about this? He said, yeah. Who pushed me in? <laughs> it was his wife. <laughs> Absolutely. Sometimes it seems like we're, we're swimming in a pool with live alligators. And we know we didn't jump in ourselves. Somebody pushed us in. We're in the midst of it. The alligators are snipping at us from everywhere. And it's not even our decision that got us where we're at. Perhaps that describes you today. You're facing a perplexing problem. Oh, the one that you did not create. One that is not your fault. Oh, you seem powerless to do anything about it. God wants you to know today that He knows all about it. God wants you to know that He's conscious of your circumstances. And He wants you to know He cares about your condition. Talking about a personal God today. He's conscious of our circumstances. He cares about our condition. Third thing I want you to know today is He changes our capacity. He changes our capacity. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, Paul writes, He said, the temptation in your life, or the temptations, plural, in your life, they're no different from what everybody else experiences. And God is faithful, and He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, Paul writes, He will show you a way out so you can endure. When we think about temptations, so often we think of things like sexual temptation or Temptation to lie, to cheat, to steal. Sometimes we are tempted to give up. Sometimes we are tempted to throw in the towel. Sometimes we are tempted to stay down for the count. Sometimes our temptation is to believe the lie of the enemy that says that our life is too hard and that God has forsaken us and that God has let us down and that God doesn't love us anymore and doesn't care about us anymore. Oh, he might care about others. Oh, I can see God caring about pastor. Oh, yeah. Surely the man of the cloth God cares about. And probably even his wife. But God doesn't really care about me. That's a lie of the enemy. See, God not only cares about you, he regulates the amount of pressure that can be placed in your life. And the devil is not allowed to put more on you than with with God's help you are able to overcome and to bear. And if the devil breaks the rules and places more on you than you can handle, the Bible says that God will open the escape hatch and let you out. Paul just said that in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13 that we read. Now, there are two different things that God seems to do about our problems. The first one is 
Sometimes he changes the situation. Sometimes he changes the situation. Genesis chapter 18 and verse 14. The question is asked, is there anything too hard for God? And of course the answer is no. The Bible says God is omnipotent. That means he is all powerful. That means there's nothing God cannot do. Now in Genesis chapter 18 there's a problem. Abraham and Sarah are promised a baby. What's the problem with that, Pastor? Well, Abe is 75 and Sarah is 65. There's a problem here. Both on Social Security. They get their noon lunch delivered by Meals on Wheels. There's a problem! But God changes the situation. And when old Uncle Abe was 100 and Sarah 90, Sarah had a baby. Because God is all powerful. And he can change the situation. I'll tell you, friend, God can change your situation. Doesn't matter what your situation is today, God can change. It doesn't matter how bad it looks. It doesn't matter how impossible that it might seem. Is there anything, is there absolutely anything too hard for God? Listen, the Bible tells me that God can take a lad with a slingshot slingshot and a pocket full of rocks and bring down a ten foot giant. My Bible tells me that God can take a little boy with a happy meal from Long John Silvers and use that to feed 5,000 hungry families. Is there anything too hard for God? Not only can God change the situation, You like that one. You're not going to like this one. (laughs) More often than not, he changes the student. The truth is, before God changes the situation, first of all, he changes the student. Changes us. 2 Corinthians... Very familiar with this, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. Paul says, Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me. Notice it's not buffet me. A messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded. Say pleaded. I pleaded with the Lord three times. Say three times. Oh, that it might depart from me. God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather say rather. 
Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ might rest upon me. And therefore, I take pleasure. Say pleasure. I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. Why? For Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, so that the Apostle Paul would not become arrogant, so that he would not become prideful, so that he would not become full of himself due to the incredible and extraordinary spiritual oh, supernatural, supernatural encounters that he experienced in order to keep Paul's feet on the ground, in order to keep his head out of the clouds. God allowed Paul to go through some pretty tough situations. And before God changed Paul's situation, he first of all changed Paul. Three times Paul begs and pleads with God, change my situation, change, change my situation. Three times God said, no, Paul, right now I'm in the process of changing my students. Paul, God said, my grace is sufficient for you. See, grace doesn't just mean Unmerited favor. There's two definitions and two kinds of grace. The one is for salvation. The other is for sustaining. He gives us saving grace, but he also has sustaining grace. And God said, Paul, my grace, my my sustaining favor is sufficient for you. Paul, I'm changing your capacity. I'm stretching you right now, Paul. Oh, you think your capacity is too small and you can't handle what you're going through. And so you're crying out to me to change the situation. But instead, I'm changing your capacity so that my student will also be changed. Maybe you're here today and you're crying out to God how oh, to change your situation. And oh, oh, Paul cried three times. You cried 303 times. Well, if you cried 303 times, huh, huh, he's probably not changing the situation right now. He's probably trying to change the student. <laughs> and until the student changes, the situation is not going to change. Oh, I can't handle this, God. How? Just too much for me, God. But God tells you today, and I've got a word for somebody here today, and the word is hold on. The word is hang in there. Oh, the word is don't despair. The word for you today from God is His grace is sufficient for you. Oh, I, I believe God will eventually get around to changing the situation. But right now, He's busy using the situation to change the student. James chapter 1. James chapter 1 verse 2 through 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Why would we do that, James? He knew we'd ask the question, so he gave us the answer before we asked the question. It's in verse 3. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Produces what? I lied to somebody yesterday. Yesterday I told somebody I wasn't preaching on patience today, and here I am. I'm not going to look at anybody here right now. (laughs) Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. 
If your faith is being tested today, if you're going through it today, if your situation is not changing today, maybe God is trying to develop patience in your life. I know you'll want Steve back next week, but let me go ahead and tell you. The situation is probably not going to change till you learn that, whatever it is you're supposed to learn. If it's patience, get some real quickly. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Why would I, James? Because don't you know that the testing of your faith produces patience? And then he says, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18, these troubles and sufferings of ours are quite small. What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> what? What I'm going through is quite small. Paul said these troubles and sufferings of ours are quite small. And they will not last very long yet. Say yet. That's a good word. Yet this short time of distress will result. Say result. Oh, I'm going to get something out of it. Yeah. Will result in God's richest blessing upon us forever. So we do not look at what we can see right now, the troubles that are all around us. No, no. He says we look forward to the joys in heaven which we have not yet seen. Oh, he says the troubles will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. Talking about a personal God today, he's actively involved in all of our lives. He's conscious of our circumstances, cares about our condition. It changes our capacity. I'm starting to close. You know, every parent of grown children have regrets. I don't. Well, then you're not being honest. Or you're just lying. (laughs) Every parent that has grown children have regrets. It's kind of weird what God did, you know? You know, uh, he puts kids in kids' lives, (laughs) you know? Very little wisdom. (laughs) Come on. I was there. And then when you get some wisdom, you're too old to have kids. <laughs> but when you have them for about a day and a half, then you remember why God gave you your kids when you were, little, when you were young, because they wear you out, literally. And the reason why we, a lot of us have regrets is because we were so, you know, I mean, I was 21 years old when my son came along. 21, that's... Most kids today ain't even out of the house yet. <laughs> Some of them are 30, still not out of the house, or they've come back. <laughs> Every parent of grown children have, have regrets. There are no perfect parents. Regrets like if only, if only I would have understand, I would have understood how quickly it goes. So I remember when I was had my kids and they were young and all the old, 
old people, you know, people my age, all the old people would tell me, man, you better, 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 better enjoy those kids, man. Don't miss the heartbeat, man. They'll be up and gone. Now the house before you can turn around. I thought, you old, you old dummy. I mean, you got Alzheimer's already? What are you talking about? But those of you who have grown kids, it goes fast. Have the house before you, or you know it. Yes. You have regrets like if only I'd have spent less time at work, more time at home. Amen. Why didn't I take vacation with my kids? Hallelujah. Why didn't I give them more affection? Why didn't I support them more at their ball games and their cheerleading and their tumbling? What? We all, everybody has, everybody has regrets that has grown children. Some worse than others. One of my regrets as a father is, this might sound a little silly to you or a little what, but one of my regrets as a father, I made it too easy for my kids. I made it too easy for my kids. If I had required more from my kids, then when they grew up and faced the real world, They'd been a little tougher and a little better prepared for reality. Now, they may hear this sermon, so let me go on record to tell you that my kids are pretty tough now. <laughs> my daughter's real tough. My kids are tough now after facing the real world for many years. But I could have changed the capacity of my kids a little bit more. You see, sometimes we show our love to our kids by saying no. Now some of you, that's the only word you know. And you need to learn how to say yes sometimes. You need to lighten up. That's another sermon. But sometimes we show our kids love by saying no. Sometimes we show our love by letting them go through some things without our help. Sometimes we show our love by not giving them everything they want and by making them work for what they get. See, most of us baby boomers, we didn't get much growing up and so we made sure our kids got everything. Because see, we don't, we don't go from here to here. We always go from here to here. See, it, it, we need to, whether, whichever extreme we are, here is where we need to be. Not here, not here, but here. Sometimes we show our love to them by not intervening for them. Allowing them to pay the price. Allowing them to suffer the consequences that come along. With their actions. Not because you don't love them, but because you do love them. Amen. And you know if I get them out of it. The, the, Solomon said in Proverbs that if you bail a person out today, you'll have to bail him out tomorrow. That's what he says. Now, use a little wisdom. I don't have time to say everything I need to say. Use some wisdom. Now, let me, let me, let me. 
I want you to understand that we never stop loving them. We never stop supporting them. We never stop holding their hand. We never stop counseling them. We never stop letting them know that we're there for them. But we're not always bailing them out. See, I, I, I thank God for my struggles. I, I'm, I'm not asking God for more, but I'm, I'm grateful for the ones I've gone through. And I learned from them. And I appreciate the fact that, you know, I have struggles today, but they're not the ones I had 30 years ago or 40 years ago or 20 years ago. And that's the way it is with our Heavenly Father. Sometimes He changes the situation. Oh, He bails us out or or He relieves the pressure. But most often, oh, He gives us grace to go through the situation, knowing that the situation change his student. Pastor Braden, could you come please? Let me close with this this morning. Our God is powerful enough to rule the universe. He is personal enough to be called Daddy. Thank God we serve personal God. Would you stand with me this morning, please? Father, I thank you today that you are not only God. I thank you that you are my God. You are a personal God who cares.